Are you looking for the magic to make your life truly count? Do you want the secret formula to make every day your best day yet? Hello, and welcome to the Finishing on Fire radio show. And now, here are your show hosts, Dave Wadsworth and Greg Vance. We're talking about living life uh, with no reservations, no hesitation, and no holding back. That is pretty cool. That's good life. That'll supercharge your life if you can do that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See, we talk about this in, in my book uh, on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, Finishing on Fire is the name of the book uh, by Dave Wadsworth. And it's living your legacy of purpose, passion, and prosperity. Inside the front cover is a, a picture of a tombstone. Mm -hmm. And it talks about on the tombstone, it, it says, put your name here and uh, no regrets, no reservations, and no retreat. And living your life with no reservations um, and no hesitation, all this, I think is so critical um, to living a fulfilled life. Uh, mm -hmm. for you to um, not just not be holding back so many times. And, and I tell you what, Greg, this has been an issue of mine. I'll be honest with you. I have coasted so much of my life. I've just, instead of running full out, uh, I know in school, I was a, a sprinter in, in, on the track team and I would run, you know, okay. quick sprints and then I'd rest and I just kind of loaf around. And then you have these half milers and the milers and the two mile <laughs> guys. And I'm like, oof. Forget that stuff. I, I just seemed to run real fast for 10, 11 seconds and then rest for a while, you know. So um, <laughs> so I've been known to coast. And, and I think we all coast uh, a lot in, in different areas. Uh, I think I've just coasted way more than I should in life. And uh, some people look at me and they're like, wow, you're so busy. Da, da, da. And if they really knew, they'd say, wow, what a loser. You're, you're such a, a lazy butt. But <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they'd say that. But I know what you, I know what you mean. There's I found there's definitely um, um, periods of time in your life where I don't know, it feels like sometimes you need to pull it in and be a little bit more restful and other times then you, you got to get that little rest, then you can put the pedal yeah. down and move on. But I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, you just kind of got to, uh, it's like choosing your battles. Uh, if mm -hmm. you have children, you got to figure out which times you really want to, and, and with your spouse, you know, choose your battles, but you got to choose when it's appropriate to, to really be, you know, hammer down and, yep. and take care of business. Because when you need to take care of business, you got to be taking care of business. And, uh, and so many times, uh, if you want to be a poor person, then you do what poor people do. Uh, if you want to be a rich person, you do what rich people do. And, and basically rich people, successful people, they take care of business. And uh, if a job is not quite done and it's quitting time on the clock, you don't quit. You mm -hmm. keep going and you finish the job. And that needs to be your mentality. You got to finish the job and then you rest. Okay. Uh, we had a, a, a football coach and we would do scrimmage. And I remember him saying, you know, play to the whistle, play to the whistle. Yep. Um, and, and don't quit, you know, don't, don't quit blocking. Don't quit, you know, tackling, don't quit pursuing a running. I remember one play, I was a running back and, and I get the ball. We, we did a, a, like a sweep around the end. So they pitched me the ball and I'm running down the sideline 
and and I ran about 20 yards and I'm like, you know, there's only one guy and he's kind of chasing me, you know, <laughs> coming in from the side, he's chasing me. And I'm like, my gosh, I've run 20 yards. Aren't they going to blow the whistle? You know, <laughs> So I'm like, okay. So I kept on running, kept on running. And I, I kind of got flustered and I ended up, I don't know what I was doing, but the guy kind of pursued and come in on me. And I, the ball just popped out of my, my arm and, and flew over my head. And it was kind of weird. It was like, Oh my gosh, Dave, just, you know, I wasn't focused. I was thinking, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, you know, <laughs> let's be done. <laughs> yeah, so like, I was like having to run 80 yards, you know, it's like, it's practice, you know, come on, what are we doing? So but we need, you need to play through the whistle. You got to continue to put the effort forward uh, without hesitation, without reservations, don't hold back, do the job and take care of business. And that's part of being a man. Uh -huh. That's part of being, you know, uh, doing what's right when you need to do it. And so uh, I'm excited about this, this episode, because I think uh, we're going to help a lot of people uh, to really try to live and, and actually do live without reservations, uh, without uh, holding back. Uh, so many times you, you just, uh, we coast, we coast uh -huh. too much. Absolutely. Wow. So um, <clears throat> one of the things I was going to share today when we started talking about this episode is uh, one of my favorite books and my favorite authors is uh, Andy Andrews and the book. I'll show it here. <laughs> you see oh, it's yeah. been well used. Yeah. <laughs> Ma Mastering the seven decisions. And so just like it sounds, there's seven critical decisions from Andy's point of view. And I agree with him. It's the ones that I've um, as I've read this book. In fact, when I read this book, it was, I was going to say it was in the fall. I don't remember what year it was, but it was in the fall. And I was so impressed with this book that for Christmas, I bought every member of my family a copy of this book. Wow. And so, <clears throat> so my kids were teenagers at the time. And I thought there were so many lessons in here mm -hmm. that were so foundational and would be really good for us as a family to talk about that. Uh, that's what I did. So I'm sure it's on all their shelves someplace. And I, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know they read it far enough to have some family discussions, but they probably haven't thought about it since then. But anyway, one of, uh, from chapter three, one of his, his decisions is, uh, it's called the active decision. And it's simply, I am a person of action. So this is making the decision that you're propensity, your forward motion, your default direction is you're going to be a person of action. Mm. And for me, <clears throat> that was, um, it's so simple, but it's so, so powerful. And I think that there's, um, and it can be something that I can struggle with sometimes because I have a little bit of an analytical personality. I like to think through <laughs> things and you know, weigh the options and, and all that. And people rely on me to do those things and help them make wise decisions. But on the other hand, you got to, you, at some point, you got to make a decision and you got to go. And so this helped me to, to keep in mind that how important that is to be a person of action. Yeah. That, that reminds me, Greg, when you were <clears throat> saying that at some point, you got to make that decision. You know, years ago, uh, Lee Iacocca, 
was famous for uh, turning around Chrysler, how Chrysler had gone into the slump. Mm -hmm. They actually were in bankruptcy or, or right on the edge. And yes. they actually got a loan from the government. And Iacocca, everybody said, well, it's just wasted money and all that stuff. And he actually turned the company around and paid back the money. Right. Which is extremely rare. And they're like, wow, how did you do that? And uh, of course, he was in the movie uh, I just recently watched. It's pretty cool. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. And um, he was he was uh, in that movie because uh, he was with Ford, a motor company for years. And he was mm -hmm. part of the design of the Mustang. When the yes. Mustang came out, and he was part of that. But anyway, what Lee Iacocca would do um, he would, a lot of people would wait till they had almost 100% of the, the data in before they would make a decision. Mm -hmm. And he'd say, no, 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 you need to make a decision, you know, before that point, because then it's not really a decision. Uh, right. Because when you got all the data, it's like, oh, it's a no brainer now. And he would make that decision at, I don't know, 90% or whatever the percent was, but he was quicker on the trigger. Yep. And, and he would he would get enough data and he'd say, OK, this is the way we go. We're going. And that's leadership is what that is. Uh, and, and he would not have that hesitation or the holding back until it was too late, because because then uh, you've gotten to the point. It's like, you know, now you've missed the opportunity or you've you know, you've you've wasted too much time or whatever. And then you have, you know, possibly catastrophic, you know, uh, situations arise from that. So. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because um, one of the other quotes that he has in here, um, and I don't know that he attributes it to anyone, but anyway, <clears throat> but I'll read it here real quick. And it goes to the, what you just said, successful people make their decisions quick and change their minds slowly. Failures make their decisions slowly and change their minds quickly. Yeah, Ooh. just give that some thought that and let that sink in just to what the example that you just talked about. And I think it's so, so important because oftentimes we can take so long to make a decision that the opportunities passed us by. And that can yeah. be in any part of your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, Greg, I like the second part of this uh, where you say successful people make their decisions quickly or quick and change their minds slowly. Yes. Okay. So they see an opportunity. They, they see these facts, they put them together, they process them and boom, they, they make the decision. Okay. But they stick with their decision like mm -hmm. a bulldog, you know, they hang on to it. Okay. Right. Now, if they realize at some point, yeah, okay, this, this is, we're going off in the ditch. That's one thing. Okay. As, as the second part of this though, um, the failure or failures in life will make their decision slowly, which is the person, like I said, they wait till hundred percent of the data is in. And then it's like, Oh, it's a no brainer, you know? Um, but they change their mind quickly. And I think what they're doing is just, they're, they're waffling back and yeah. forth. Okay. Da, 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 and, and that's no way to live. So that's, that's a great quote. I, I like that. Yeah. Well, and we, <clears throat> it goes back to what you were, um, you touched on a little bit ago. Sometimes many, not sometimes, <laughs> there are so many things in life that take perseverance mm. that you've got to, uh, you know, stick through them when the, and as they, a popular phrase these days is the messy middle, as many oh, people yeah. talk about it, you know? And so it's really easy to get to, you know, things are exciting when you start down the path, get in the middle, it gets kind of messy, things get hard. 
it's really easy to think, well, I've made the wrong decision. Maybe you have, but not always, but maybe I've made the wrong decision. I need to turn in another direction and you never see it through. <clears throat> and I'm sure you and I know people that we can think of that have done a lot of that. And it's kind of, it's a little frustrating to watch from the outside and it, you know, stifles their success as well. Yeah. I remember watching the movie, um, uh, Pearl Harbor. Mm. And, and I remember uh, the Japanese fleet came in and they, they surprise attacked Pearl Harbor, uh, World War II, and, and they, their commander, Admiral, whoever was, um, they were switching back and forth between torpedoes and, and other bombs or something, and, and they, um, they lost time in there because they, they were indecisive uh, right. and they, they made a decision <laughs> Uh, that gave um, the American force uh, an opportunity to get back and, and to attack, you know. And so it was, um, and I don't remember if that was um, Pearl Harbor or Midway. Which I think it was Pearl Harbor. That may have been Pearl Harbor. And so it was a, it was kind of a, a lost opportunity. Right. Um, you know, thank the Lord for that, for us. But I mean, yes. for the Japanese Navy. Uh, because of that uh, indecisive uh, situation, switching back and forth, it cost them, you know, dearly. And so, yeah, yeah, it's interesting how when you look back, you realize, wow, when I just kind of got in the, in the kind of in the middle of this and I was wishy-washy and I, I wasn't determined and sticking with the plan, things fell apart. Right. And bad things happened. So, yeah, yeah. And we both heard the, you know, business terminology people will talk about opportunity cost oh yes yeah which can, <clears throat> you know which 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 is a real thing it's sometimes difficult to measure but yeah. it's definitely a real thing so i think that's part of it um so let's take let me take you into another quote here and since you touched upon um, um some historical things there with the movie you talked about and as we know uh, andy andrews writes a lot of historical fiction and he's a, definitely a student of history, <clears throat> and I know you are too. So uh, in his book here, he talks about um, Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. So Civil War Colonel, and his quote in the book is, my future is immediate. I will grasp it in both hands and carry it with running feet. When I am faced with the choice of doing nothing or doing something, I will always choose to act. Hmm. That's always, um, that's always really, really stuck with me, you know, and <laughs> along with this, uh, you know, this decision of being a person of action. But I think, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you're probably a better student of history than me. And I know, you know, the story of, um, of the Colonel pretty well. Maybe you could give us a quick flyover of some of the circumstances of that, because he was faced with some really, interesting and challenging circumstances yeah greg and that's that's a good one and like you i love andy andrews i matter of fact i listen to his podcast i've been down to his uh, uh one day training uh, mm. in orange beach alabama where he lives and uh, and i followed him a lot uh in his books and he's told different historical accounts um and i love this one because this is actually the battle of gettysburg okay mm -hmm. And a lot of historians say what Joshua Chamberlain did at the Battle of Gettysburg was the man that stood in the breach 
and and caused the war to turn. And and he was actually at the end of the line uh, of of all these soldiers. There was um, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of soldiers spread across the line here uh, at Gettysburg or just outside of Gettysburg. And he was at the end of the line. And um, his orders were to keep uh, the enemy, uh, the rebels, uh, from from coming around and and getting through them uh, because if they would have gotten through them there was no one stopping them from going ahead into gettysburg and and really you know coming around behind and then taking out the northern army the union army and so uh joshua chamberlain who actually was just a a school teacher from maine Mm -hmm. uh he wasn't a war um you know, general or any kind of experienced person as far as war goes or battle. He was just a, a leader of men. He was a, a teacher. And uh, I know we talked about before, uh, a lot of these, these uh, his, his regiment, he had 300 men uh, that volunteered and, and went with him from Maine and that area. And they were all white. They never, you know, a lot of them hadn't even seen a black person, but yet they were fighting you know, for what was right and what mm-hmm. they knew, uh, slavery, slavery was wrong and that you can't do that. He, they were fighting to free men. And so Joshua Chamberlain stood in the breach to stop, you know, the, the, uh, the onslaught of the Southern uh, army coming through. And it was, it was quite a battle. He actually, they had been attacked several times by units from Alabama. And then also they had reinforcements from uh, Texas that were, were coming after okay. them. And I remember him, he had actually been shot. Joshua Chamberlain had mm. been shot. He had, uh, his belt buckle had been hit in the, right in the, in the belly and it saved his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very end, he, they were out of ammunition. Uh, they had, uh, they had had four or five charges that they had that withstood but at this point, he was down to, well, when they started the battle, they had had 300 men when they left Maine. They were down to, I think, uh, 90 when they Gosh. went into this battle. And then they were down, uh, they had lost many men, you know. So the numbers were very, very slight. And they ended up, he decided, he's standing up there <laughs> on this rock wall. They'd put together this rock wall of these round uh, rocks that day, just as a little bit of protection. And he's thinking quickly, okay, what are you good? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he's assessing all the, the, the casualties. And, and, uh, and he's like, listen, I can't be, I'm not going to go down in history uh, with a bullet in my back running away from this thing. I'm a man of action. Right, and I've right. got to do something. And so he got his, uh, his lieutenants. He said, he said, uh, and Sergeant, you know, Tozer, whoever it was, he says, Hey, he says, um, we're going to implement a, a great right wheel, you know? And they said, well, what's, what's a great right wheel? Well, it's an all out charge. That's what it is. <laughs> and they're like, we don't have any bullets. We are out of ammunition. <laughs> He's like, and they fixed their bayonets. They put their bayonets on their guns and they had a few rounds here and there, but they charged. So when the, when the rebel army started yelling and started coming up the hill again, and they had the Texas regiment helping them, they charged. And it shocked the Union or the uh, the Southern rebels so much. They're like, there, there, there must be some reinforcements here. There's no way a beaten 
regiment would charge. They're like, there's no way. They, this, these got to be different people than we've been fighting all this time because the last several charges, they were fighting right along that wall. I mean, hand-to-hand combat mm-hmm. before they retreated. Right. And so these guys charge and they're going down the hill. And he thought, you know, at least we got the element of, of going downhill, you know, fighting them. But other than that, we're in trouble. And so Chamberlain, with that charge, uh, he ended up, they captured like 400 men mm. with their handful of men. And that stopped uh, the breach of that, the uh, coming through the wall and going into Gettysburg. And it was huge because they said if they would have lost, if that would have happened, then the, the North would have lost at Gettysburg. And if Gettysburg would have fallen, then it'd been kind of a domino effect and the South would have probably won. And they said, if the South won in history, what would have probably been happened would uh, you'd had a fractured United States fractured. similar to Europe mm-hmm. where you'd have, you know, uh, anywhere from five to, to eight or nine different countries or groups of states, you know, and then what would happen? We come with World War II and Hitler comes in. There's no country in the world that would have had the power or the resources or the stamina to withhold uh, you know, a, a, a frontal assault against um, two wars at, at simultaneously, basically in Europe against right. Hitler and then against Japan in the Asian you know, corridor. Pacific, so you, yeah. you, you couldn't have had that. And that was what happened with that one man Joshua Chamberlain deciding I'm going to be a person of action and what he did, the ripple effect was phenomenal. And, and this story, I love the book um, yeah. uh, and, and people need to pick that up. I love that uh, mastering the seven decisions by Andy Andrews. And, and I love, love the story. I'm, I'm sure I screwed it all up, but the Dave <laughs> paraphrase version. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. You yeah. know, th- look, looking back at this quote again, just based upon what you said, the first sentence says, my future is immediate. I will yeah. grasp it in both hands and carry it with running feet. Wow. <laughs> so now you, now you can get this mental picture of him and his men charging, running feet. Talk, talk about putting mind to action. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he had decided, you know, before that he was a man of action. Well, when the time came and the chips were down, yeah, he was a man of action, yeah. and 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 he he was able to sum that up. So I think as, as as people as adults, one thing that we need to do when when we want to have no reservations, no hesitation, no holding back, when we're in a quiet time of our life, okay, uh, nighttime, morning, whenever, we need to make those decisions that we are going to be a person of action. Mm-hmm. That when we are challenged. We are going to fight. We are going to fight for what's right. We are going to fight for the people that deserve it. You know, this this thing that we have in society today, bullying is a big thing. People are being bullied right. on social media. They're being bullied by either teachers or, or different people in authority, maybe coaches that are over aggressive with their tactics and stuff. And, and in my opinion, bullying of any kind is, is not right. And, and I always told my kids, stand up for somebody being bullied, you need to stand up for that person. Uh You'll never be sorry. You know, you got to do that because uh, it's not right. And we know every day when we see situations, we know what's right and wrong. Okay. And we know when somebody's being, you know, mistreated and, and I hate, I've always hated that. I've always hated injustice. That's something that's just 
drove me nuts. I just, you know, I, uh, matter of fact, I wrote that on my bio on the back of the book. Um, I just thought about this. Um, da, 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 da. Dave operates this management business. Okay. Da, 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 da. Dave is a man of sincere faith, strong family values, and a fierce defender of freedom for all people. And, and that just reminded me of that, that on that bio on the back of the book, finishing on fire and, and how, you know, I've just always hated to see people mistreated. I don't care who you are. Right. You know, I just, you know, people that are disrespectful, people that are rude, people that use their authority uh, and they're abusive to people. I don't have any use for that. That's, that's baloney. And, and so, um, but we need to be people of action and yes. uh, Greg, I appreciate that story. So. Yeah. So um, I know you had a book you were going to tell us about as well. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I, we call this, um, this section, uh, we talk about last lap learning. And now it's time for last lap learning. Okay. Yep. And, um, in life, we talk about finishing on fire, you know, finish your race, you know, keep going. Don't, don't, uh, you got to play through the whistle. Okay. Play through the, through the checkered flag. And this last lap learning, we, we usually bring up a book that we like, uh, something that, that, uh, kind of refers to our topic or basically does. And one that I've got one lady, she's funny. She's really funny. I've, <laughs> I've read several of her books. Her name is Mel Robbins, Mel Robbins, like Tony Robbins, but I don't think they're related, but anyway, Mel Robbins. And one of her books is called the five second rule. Okay. Five second rule. And it's, it's talking about uh, trying to get active, you know, trying to get uh, motivated or get started. And she says, she heard this one time. She just, listen to a, like a shuttle launch or, you know, a rocket launch and, and how they always count down, you know, yes, yes. and they count down, you know, five, four, three, two, one, you know, launch rocket, you know, lift off. And she thought, she thought that's what I need to do. Cause she was struggling. She was in the midst of all kinds <laughs> of crap. And she, she said, you know, I needed something to kind of get me going. And that helped by just, you know, when I was facing something, I would just count down five, four, three, two, one, and she would <laughs> do it. She would. And, and she said, you need that that activation energy, you need to get that, you know, whatever it takes to give you that, that response to, and, and be, I think the, what, what was the word I used here? Um, um, be an activation um, or um, activation energy oriented or something like that. Um, but mm. that's where you need to think in your mind, be activation oriented where you um, uh, you're not just sitting there just observing, 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 you're doing, okay? You're a human being, okay? You are a human being. You need to be human and, and be active. And, and it's not mean, it doesn't mean being a couch potato, but, but I love this book. Uh, I'd encourage you to get it. Um, it's uh, Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. It's really pretty funny, but it was very simple. And the idea yeah. is, hey, What's it take to get me up in the morning? You know, if that's what it takes, do it, do a countdown. You know, she said it doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't work, you know, one, two, three, four, five, go, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have to count down because when you get down, you know, five, four, three, two, one, you got to move, you know, something's got to happen. You know, you're, you know, the rockets are going to, you know, start, you know, the, the engines are going to ignite. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you need to fire up. So, I think it's a good book and I, I recommend it. So check it out and, um, and see that, that uh, you learn what it takes for you uh, 
uh, to have that activation energy or to have that spark that you need to, to get going. So that's kind of what that book's about. So. Yeah, I have to check that out. I've not had the pleasure of reading that yet, but I will. Yeah, I've listened to her um, on TED Talks and uh, and some other stuff. She is really pretty funny. So, um, well, that brings us to another special segment here, uh, Wadzi's World. And now it's time for Wadzi's World. Yes, Dave Wadsworth's true life animal stories. Dave's had the opportunity to get in some very uh, interesting situations with a variety of animals throughout his life. And so he's created a long list of those. And so I um, have the opportunity to pick a number and randomly, and then he's going to um, relate one of those stories to us. And they're always uh, interesting and just fascinating how you get yourself into some situations <laughs> sometimes. But anyway, today's number is number three. Okay, animal number three. So I'm going to pull out my list. Yeah. I have not looked at this ahead of time. So I am actually winging it. Uh, winging it, winging it. Okay. Um, number three, snakes. Oh, that's funny. Shared a little snake story with me earlier today. That is funny. I, you know what? I'm going to tell that snake story. I'm going to tell that. I've had a lot of really good snake stories, and I don't think I told. Oh, we'll have to go back in the records real quick. I tell you, when you get my age, my memory just gets to be. You know, I've got a good memory. It's just real short. Mm. <laughs> but uh, but I'm going to tell you a story about snakes. I um I have a machine, and and uh, one of my businesses I do. Uh, um, tree and brush mulching with this bobcat type machine it's it's basically a lawnmower for trees and brush okay i go into a wilderness or a woods and i make it a park I, i'll uh, mow down um uh invasive species of, of mm -hmm. brush uh, anything that's dead or diseased or damaged or dying you know i'll take that stuff out and i'll mulch it up and so when i'm done you have a park instead of a woods and um one job uh, that I do for a guy, he's a landscaper. And every year he calls me or twice a year sometimes. And he has a huge pile of, of limbs. And uh, sometimes it's leaves and grass clippings, but mostly limbs and, and chunks of wood and brush and things, trees that he's cut down, small stuff, because he's a landscaper. He's not a real uh, logging type person or tree person. So it's just a whole lot of stuff. It's just piled up in these big brush piles. And he wants me to go in there. And so they may be eight or 10 feet tall and huge piles. I mean, as big as your house. Wow. And I'll go in and I'll mulch those up. And every year, especially in the spring, this happens, um, there will be snakes in there. Mm. Okay. And the vibration and all that, they'll just start crawling everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here they come. So good thing I'm in the cab. You know, I got my shorts on. I'd probably be running and, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh. Uh, but no, my wife hates snakes and uh, even dead ones. She give her the creeps. But anyway, so this is a snake story. This happened actually uh, yesterday. And I, I made a little video because I'm going to do some TikTok video stuff. And I think this will be a great one. But <laughs> I, 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 I did some mulching and all of a sudden I see something out in front of me. I'm like, what is that? And I looked, it was a snake. Huge. That sucker, four and a half, five feet long. I mean, it was a big, pretty big snake. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he had actually gotten in the, the he was in the brush and um, and it was pretty cold in the morning. So they're very lethargic, you know, because they're they're cold blooded and stuff. 
So anyway, he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, mm. And so he got the worst of it. But um, anyway, so, so <laughs> I set him up on this little log and I, and I told, I did a little video and I said, um, I said, basically, I said, uh, I said, Hey, everybody, um, you know, you're thinking you're having a bad day, but you're <laughs> really not. I said, just think about my buddy, Fred. And I said, uh, here's my buddy, Fred. And I show a picture of this big old snake. And I mean, I do a close up right there and he looks pretty mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I said, uh, I showed, you know, kind of a little bit of the size of him. And I said, my buddy, Fred is a big old snake but Fred is dead. <laughs> and mm. I said, I said, I said, don't be like Fred. I said, you need to have a positive attitude. Don't live your life and be, you know, like you're uh, you know, a zombie and you're just living your life, uh, you know, with the wrong attitude. And uh, so anyway, I, I took some pictures of Fred and, and I did the video and I sent them. Uh, well, I sent one video to you, Greg, and then I sent pictures to my wife and course that creeped her out and stuff but <laughs> but but poor fred uh the dead snake um he was a big one i mean he was a, a big old snake i don't know i don't think he was a black snake because he had some other coloring in him i'm not sure exactly what because i'm not a what they call him herpetologist or whatever right. it is uh -huh. but uh, fred was pretty creepy uh and i don't i don't like killing animals at all but you know just you know one of those things of course my wife she's like okay you need to kill it. It's a snake. <laughs> she, she no mercy. Yeah. She is scared. But uh, before Fred, he died. And uh, one of these days, hopefully you'll be looking on uh, TikTok and you'll see Fred, the, the dead snake. And, uh, and you'll say, Oh, I remember Fred. <laughs> he mm -hmm. was on the podcast. So, so that is my snake story for today for, uh, uh, for this episode anyway, cause I've got a lot more, but uh <laughs> <laughs> that one just coming right. That was very good timing, Greg. I'm I'm amazed you picked that number. So, <laughs> yeah, and really, and and for the and for uh, our listeners, um, yeah, that was not engineered. That was happenstance. We really didn't plan it this way. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because Greg, I actually, you know, I have. Um, let me look at my list here. Uh, right now, I've got 43 uh, animals listed on my yeah. list and and you just pick a number between one and 43 exactly. uh, and i had not looked at it honestly i had not looked at it um until you said it and then uh i went and looked at it so i, I that is that's pretty funny so <laughs> i guess it, i guess fred needed the uh needed the um, the air time so <laughs> yeah no kidding um so what I thought I would do next is, uh, as we were preparing for the show today and kind of talking through what we might talk about, it reminded me of a, of a story. And so I thought I'd just share that here about what, um, what an opportunity can look like sometimes and, and taking action and what the reward can be on the other side. So, uh, so Dave and, and Armando, one of our good friends, and myself and our wives were on a cruise, a Dan Miller cruise. He's one of our favorite uh, coaches that we've uh, studied under, all three of us. So we were on a cruise together with a large group of people. And, and so we were in the Caribbean. We were heading towards the Dominican Republic, and we were all excited to, be, to go there. I'd never been there before. And so unbeknownst to us, you know, because the captain of the ship, they're tracking weather. Uh, the port we were supposed to go to, uh, 
uh, because of the weather, they elected to go to a port on the northern side of the island. Oh, uh, it's right. called, yeah, yeah, called Samana. And so we're like, okay, <laughs> the things that we had planned out, you know, this was all kind of thrown out the window. And so we're going someplace new. Well, it turns out um, Samana is one of the most uh, picturesque places I think I've ever been. And so it was this wonderful opportunity. We get off the boat, the six of us, so uh, Dave, Armando, myself, and our wives. And so we're kind of figuring out, okay, so what are we going to do? And this gentleman comes up to me and, and wants to take us on a tour. He says, hey, my, my uh, booking just got canceled. I can be with you for you know all day if you want to. <clears throat> I'll take you anywhere you want to go. I'll give you a great price. And I'm kind of thinking... Uh, I think I've heard this story before, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, so uh, Armando, who was with us, uh, he speaks Spanish very well. Uh, he, kinda, he checked him out with some local people, you know, just a few seconds there, a few seconds here. And uh, we talked to a gentleman's name. His name is Carlos. Uh, we got to know him. He was an incredible guy. But here's kind of the, the tension that my wife and I had where we were supposed to meet someone uh, two hours from, uh, from the time we got ashore, we made a commitment to them. And so we had this tension of, can we go explore this wonderful place with this gentleman who is so incredibly well-educated on the flora and the fauna of the island and all that. <clears throat> and so we thought, okay, we're going to go for it. We made some quick phone calls to tell the people we were supposed to meet that, you know, hey, sorry, this thing, opportunity came up and we went on this adventure. We were probably gone for what, four hours, I'd oh, say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think easily, right. yeah. easily four hours. And so Carlos, we piled in his van. He took us to the <laughs> most amazing places on this island. We went to a, we went to a farm yep. and he educated us on all the local agriculture uh, and gave us opportunities to taste things. They made things. It was, wow, it was incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> Next, we went to an area which was, uh, it just, it, it was, I've never been to Hawaii before, but it's almost what I would picture Hawaii was like. Yes. It was this most beautiful beach I think I've ever seen in my life. And there was nobody there. Yep. We walked. <laughs> we walked and walked and walked uh and got to see these rock and cave formations and there was no one there i look at the pictures periodically and go that is one of the most beautiful places i've been to on this earth so we yeah. get done with that he takes us back to this restaurant which is being generous but it's <laughs> it's, it's normal for what is in samana and allowed us to taste some of the local delicacies. Oh my goodness. Food, drink of all kinds. Uh, it was just incredibly amazing. And so we got back, we did some other things, got back to the ship and you know, reflecting on this later, we reflected on a little bit on the cruise because we we're kind of stressed out. You know, what's this other couple gonna think of us? And you know, we, kind of, <laughs> we kind of, you know, just kind of ditched them for this opportunity. But as we reflected on after we got back home, it was one of the most amazing opportunities that we seized in the moment and yeah. were people of action 
And I think back on that every time something comes in front of me now and thinks, uh, and I think this could be one of those moments again. And I think, why am I, why am I so stressed out about this? There's got to be a way through this to make this possible and keep my commitments or whatever else is, you know, troubling me at the moment. But uh, that's just was an incredible time. And, you know, I'll remember it forever. But anyway, anything you got to add, you were there. That was, that's a fantastic story. That is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, no reservations, you know, no hesitation. You made a decision and, and it all fell together so quickly. This guy, he's just like, you know, he was talking a mile a minute and we didn't understand him. Of course, Armando, he's awesome. He's awesome. Him and Carol, his dad is actually, um, uh, his granddad um, immigrated, came in from Mexico years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, and then uh, Armando's lived in, you know, all his life, obviously, here in the U.S. He lives around San Francisco, San Jose area. And he spoke Spanish or we wouldn't have been able to figure this out. So he was able to speak to this guy. You look at him, you think, uh, you know, I don't know. He spoke five languages. Yeah, certified five, five languages. Language. Yeah, certified. <laughs> certified in five languages. He just had done, he was telling us, I don't know if you remember this, Greg. He had just done like a, a several day booking mm-hmm. with um, the, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. I mean, she's right. the hottie. Married to uh, Michael Douglas. Michael uh, Douglas, yeah. Yeah, Michael Douglas. Yeah, Kurt Douglas was his dad. Michael, the actors, they were both actors, you know, but Michael Douglas and, and um, Catherine Zeta Jones and their children. And, um, and he took them all around for several days. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like a very, you know, famous, you know, tour guide for that island, that area there and stuff. And, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah. If you would have said, oh, no, we've got a lunch date with this couple on the ship, you know, of course, you, you could do that again. You seized that opportunity. And because of that, you have lifelong pleasurable memories uh that just yes. you know yeah oh my gosh that was a great day that was that yes, was one it of the was. best days ever you know? yeah. <laughs> that put, a, yeah. put a big smile on your face didn't it <laughs> oh my gosh the the things this guy would tell us and show us we went we were on that beach and i don't know if you remember this but years ago um these friends of mine got me into this uh noni juice uh from the noni um plant and it had this like it's a fruit noni mm-hmm. fruit and, and I thought, okay, yeah. And, and, and I like the juice, you know, and we tried it and stuff. Well, on that beach were these noni trees mm-hmm. uh, right there off the edge of the beach. And, uh, and I'm like, really, that's what we had years ago. And I'd never heard the name for years. And, and it's like, yeah, these are noni trees, you know, and stuff. And they had the fruit there. It was really wild, but, but yeah, going there and, and eating. And remember we went back that trail, walked along and there was these, they weren't tree houses. They were like little. Um, oh um, yes, the hotel room, hotel rooms. Yeah. It was an eco-friendly um, hotel. Yeah, yeah, and they were like little huts, you know. Each and they were nice, yes. and you could rent them, you know, and stuff. That was really pretty cool. But yeah, just and this guy uh, Carlos could just tell you so many things that the you know the normal you know guy, and he says, "I'll take you as long as you want." You know, he was very. Uh, very hospitable um mm-hmm. just a great host you know he wasn't like you know give me your money and you guys you know here you go da, 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 and then and then kick you out i mean he was he was really good so yeah but that that's a great example <laughs> exactly what we're talking about so 
Hey, and if you're uh, any, if you're listening to the podcast today and you ever want to go to um, Samana, uh, we'll be happy to hook you up with Carlos. I still keep yeah. in touch with him. And, oh, you and, do? Yeah. And the same way with, uh, with the eco uh, tourist destination. I've got, I follow them on Instagram, but yeah, I would love to go back there someday. You're a funny guy, Greg. I didn't. <laughs> Not funny, strange, funny, ha ha, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Oh, All right. Good. So I think, Dave, you're going to roll us into our two minute warning here. And now it's time for the two minute warning. Yeah, I've got a, um, uh, a quick story I want to tell you about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I had an opportunity here lately. Here's me and my wife. I'll tell you this real quick. Glenda, whenever I come up with, with an idea or something, her first, uh, the first words out of her mouth, the first word is no. Okay. <laughs> I get this big idea. It's no. And it's just kind of automatic. I, and I know it's kind of a joke now because I, <laughs> I come up with something and I, and I just tell myself, okay, she's going to say no to this. So I'm going to say it. And then boop, she says no. And I'm always the guy that says, uh, if the, something comes along, I say yes, you know, or, or if something comes along, I say, um, she says, why? And I say, well, why not? And, mm-hmm. and that's the way we think, you know, we're mm-hmm. just totally different in, in our approach. And I think she's got kind of a, you know, her uh, personality in the disc profile, uh, she is an S. Mm-hmm. You know, she likes, you know, stability. She likes everything, you know, pretty well neat and orderly. And uh, she's very comfortable and, and she likes security. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm more of the guy, I'm a high I, which mm-hmm. means I am the life <laughs> of the party. I'm fun. I'm like, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know. And my daughter's the same way, squirrely, you know, they call us. But, but uh, this thing came up recently, this opportunity uh, in Puerto Rico. And uh, they're having an event. And I just heard it from Dan Miller's podcast with John Lee Dumas. And then I heard John Lee Dumas talk about, you know, this event. And, and I got a, a special deal on tickets. And I told Glenda, I said, I feel like we need to go. We need to go. And she's like, no, no. I'm like, yes, yes. And so we figured <laughs> out she can't go, uh, but I can because of her schedule with work and stuff. And she'd been off a lot with the children uh, for the new baby. And so, uh, so that's, that's my thinking, you know, uh, yes, yes, yes. And hers is no, no, no. And then we, I'm like, I say yes. And then I figure out the details later, you know, uh, like I said, earlier, <laughs> I jump out of the airplane and then I said, well, I got my, uh, parachute and I need to figure out how it works, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> it's flat, but, uh, but I don't, I don't do things in, in a, a foolish way. Normally. I mean, I, I figured quickly, I said, okay, how much airfare, uh, how much is the ticket for the event? You know, it's going to be like four days, over four days total. Um, and then I thought, okay, how much is uh, the hotel? And I put the numbers together and then I'm like, okay, I want to pursue this. And so I had to go through an interview process and, and it was, it was, it took a little bit, but my first thinking is, yes, I want, I want to go after this, you know, so no reservation, yep. no hesitation. Now, if I'd run into a roadblock that said, wait, this is stupid. It's going to cost you. Cause the event actually was 3000 bucks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Whoa, I'm not going to pay 3000 bucks for this. Um, it was two full days, one evening before, and then a half a day after and stuff. And I thought, eh, that's a little much, but I got a guest pass for like $250. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, that's doable. So I put it all on paper and, and that's what I come up with. So, so 
on the two minute warning, let's, let's finish this out. I'm going to give you the two minute warning. Um, um, <clears throat> there, there's a questions here. Okay. What have you been procrastinating over or what do you really need to, to, um, to deal with? Um, so many times it's like the elephant in the room, you know, you know, you need to be doing this, but you're just fiddling around doing little piddly stuff. I'm good at that. Okay. Doing the taxes and stuff, getting all that stuff ready for our accountant. Oh my gosh. I just do everything in the world to, to stop from, you know, not have to do that stuff. So sure. um, yeah, be a, be a person of action. Okay. You know, it's like, I'm going to have to put all this stuff together anyway. I mean, I've got to get all our records together and all the receipts and all the details and I got to get it done anyway. I need to just do it instead of waiting three months and, and, and having that cloud over my head mm-hmm. and, and, what I want you to do, and I want to challenge you to be a person of action. That's what this whole thing about is about. Be a person of action, especially if it's something that needs to be done, because you will not be sorry that you did it. So, so basically, here's our, our warning, our, our call to action for this week. All right, Greg, first thing in the morning, okay, when you get up, you get rolling. Here's a little thing. This is going to be simple, but you need to do it. When you leave the house, whether you're going to work or you're going to uh, run an errand to a certain store or whatever you need to do, take a different route. Yes. Okay. Change it up. Don't go the same way, the direct route or whatever. Take a different route because that's going to create with you uh, new observations, new ideas, and maybe new opportunities. Right. I've done that a lot of times. I'll go down a road that I wasn't supposed to go down uh, because I, you know, normally I'd go a different way. And because I did that, I observed something or something hit. I got an idea. I saw something and it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I wouldn't have known that if I didn't take a different mm-hmm. route. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we did that here a while back <laughs> with, with my, my brother and I, when we took mom out for lunch for her birthday, if I wouldn't have listened to my brother, I said, okay, let's go to this restaurant. He said, no, let's go to this other one. Let's take her to this other one. Because I said, okay, we'll go. We took her to the other one. And I had the opportunity to see my buddy who's a hundred years old. Yeah. I hadn't seen for 37 years. Mm. That was a great opportunity. That was a great day because I would not have seen my buddy who turned a hundred years old and he was there at that restaurant. And so there you go. I think that's a great example, just like yours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it is. I love that advice because um, <laughs> it's one of the things about me that makes my wife a little crazy is I will, I will find as many ways to go to a destination, even if we go to that destination all the time, yep. because I get bored going the same way. But you're exactly right. You notice so many new things. And occasionally something will pop up as well that, you know, is either interesting or an opportunity, like you said. Yeah. So I love that advice. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just a variety in, in your life is it's a spice of life, you know, having variety, you know, mm-hmm. changing things, but, but, but not being like a, a robot or a drone or just a zombie where you just kind of continue down the same trek in life. And, uh, and I think you need to wake up and, and to do that tomorrow morning, here is your, your call to action. Take a different route. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for listening to the Finishing on Fire radio show. Be sure to visit finishingonfire.com for more great content. 
Go Light Your World.